Hey, it's Darren from Bonfire. Thanks for checking out the podcast. This episode was recorded live on YouTube and Facebook. Head on over, you'll get the full Bonfire experience. Consider giving us a like and a subscribe. And when you do that, you help fuel more free content here on Bonfire Sports. Find everything you need, links and more, bonfiresports.ca. Now, enjoy the show. Away they go. The Bombers are 8-0. and oh. Welcome inside game day after dark. Darren Bombing to my virtual right. Mr. Manitoba football, Mike, still joining us here on Bonfire Sports. What's going on, Mike? We just witnessed uh, a heck of a battle, a real entertaining football game, and got the result Blue Bombers Nation was looking for. Most definitely, and won the season series too against Calgary, which is right. huge for the playoffs, home field advantage. Uh, you know, obviously we want to have those games at IGF, so that would be massive uh, coming down the stretch there. But yeah, what a great game. These two teams never disappoint and uh, definitely didn't disappoint again tonight. Uh, another absolute classic DB. Yeah, and lots to get to on the post-game show here. Outstanding performances, not just from... Uh, a couple players, but like a handful had really, really strong games in Calgary. Um, you know, the Stampeders came to play, Mike, uh, no question. Uh, maybe not capping drives in the first half with touchdowns instead of field goals. The Blue Bombers defense stepping up as it seems to like uncannily continually do. And that is allow drives come into our zone, you know, come into our, our red zone, and then they just shut it down and force teams to, to kick field goals. Then offensively, monstrosity performances from Zach Kolaris. Four touchdowns, no interceptions, threw for 270 yards tonight. Um, Brady Oliveira, his first 100-yard rushing game of the season, averaging over seven yards per carry. Dalton Schoen, we can say it. We're not jinxing anybody. Uh, he's runaway uh, most outstanding rookie nominee right now through eight weeks of the CFL season. He pulls in two more touchdowns to have seven on the year. And then, of course, the surprise of the depth chart yesterday, Mike. Four weeks, no practices, activated off the six-game injured list early. Winnipeg's native son, Oak Park High School, Nick Dembski absolutely went off today seven catches on nine targets 69 yards two touchdowns and the number i always like to look at second down conversions because all three second down conversions nick dembski had tonight were really really big yeah most definitely i mean i i just want to point out something that nick said uh during the tsn broadcast he's talking to sarah orleski and uh she asked him about the fact that he hasn't been practicing he just comes right into the lineup and she's asking him about that and he goes i was still working out so i can't have any excuses that's a classic dick dembski answer to the question yeah this guy he's just one of the humblest people you will ever meet even after the gray cup you know last year you know he always goes back to team team every single time and uh he's he's 
he's just a great guy to have on your roster for so many different reasons. And I think just to kind of touch on that quickly, DB, uh, in terms of his value, it's just the it's the the fact that he can line up in so many different places and positions for that team. He's a guy that you it's very hard to replicate what he does in the offense. Uh, he can line up at running back. He can line up at slot. He can do the fly sweeps. He can block super well. All that stuff. I mean, and it just goes and back run to traditionally his... run traditionally between <laughs> you can take out. Brady Oliveira and just like put the ball in his belly and, and run him between the tackles. Exactly. And I mean, for goodness sake, like the guy was a running back in high school. I mean, he was a quarterback right. for a year in high school for Oak right. Park. Then he was a running back. And interestingly, too, with the Bisons, right? I mean, he was originally recruited as a running back. Then he gets there and they already have Anthony Coombs and they've already got Keenan right. LaFrance. So Dolby right. goes, I got three running backs here that can all legitimately play and all legitimately start. And they all did that. Uh, but he's like, you know, we got to put Nick in a place where we can get him and also get Anthony Coombs on the field at the exact same time. Time. So moving the slot back, he, he he does nothing but become one of the best receivers in the history of the program. Still right. has the best touchdown celebration in U of M history, the page turner in the end zone there. I love so, that. <laughs> it's a classic. It's an absolute classic. Uh, so yeah, it's just his versatility. You just can't put someone in that spot and do the things that Nick Dembski does. And he showed it again today. No, no question he did. I love how you mentioned the touchdown celebration because when they used to have, it's not there anymore. So this touchdown celebration just has to go down in Winnipeg sports lore. But a Winnipegger on top of the old University of Manitoba logo, not the Bison's logo, but the academic logo where it's got the book. And he scores a touchdown, goes right on top of that logo and starts flipping the pages. Uh, like one of my favorites uh, that he even continued from Manitoba to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers doing that touchdown. I think he did it in a banjo bowl uh, of uh, years gone by. But, uh, you know, as everybody in the live chat uh, brings all the energy and heat to Bonfire Sports, Andrea says it perfectly. He was watching live on YouTube. Great game. It really was. Uh, Waiters says, uh, love Blue Bomber wins this time of year. Yeah, like warm summer night getting your weekend going. It's a long weekend. People get to kick back and enjoy not just, you know, like another football game on TSN, but the two best teams hands down in the league and they go toe to toe, Mike. It was really a back and forth match and you, you didn't know which way this game was going to go. I would say you couldn't even say one team had momentum over the other at any point until maybe late when Winnipeg was able to get up, um, you know, get up two scores. Yeah, and I think that one of the factors in that is something that you talked about a lot uh, in the lead up to this game. And I know a lot of people talked about a lot. It's just the poise and the composure and the history with Bo Levi Mitchell. And uh, I see that comment, Jeremy. Thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> one year he did dress up with me uh, as me for Halloween. Well, but... Michael Shea, Mike still. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Uh, but yeah, Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, only two losses coming off the bye. And then Zach Kalaros, only two losses as a bomber starter and factoring in, you know, when those losses happen too. So these are two, I mean, let's let's be honest here, two best quarterbacks right now going at it, uh, you know, statistically and just historically in terms of what they've been able to do at the CFL level. And uh, you, you, knew, you knew we were in for a classic. And I really think, like uh, you mentioned it already, DB, but I really think that um, the Bombers defense in that first half and being able to hold Calgary to those field goals instead of touchdowns. If you look at the, the score at the end of this game, really, I, that's what it came down to at, at the end of the day was, was being able to, to be stout on defense when it mattered 
You've got players in those positions that can kind of step up. Uh, but the other thing too that I, it's been talked about a lot, but I just want to reiterate it is the poise of the Bombers secondary. I mean, goodness gracious, coming into this year losing three players who were all stars last season: DeAndre Alford, Alden Darby, and then obviously Brandon Alexander's got that that injury. Uh, just the poise of that group and the guys have been able to come in and plug and play effectively uh, and, and just do their job when they need to. So, uh, you know, another instant classic and another great job by that Bombers defense in a game that obviously the offense is being highlighted, but the D really stepped up in, in key situations too when they needed to. No, well well said, Mike. Uh, for those of uh, uh, all of you out there just joining us, Mike Still, uh, Mr. Manitoba Football, as I like to refer to him, uh, great football mind, joining us here uh, on the post-game show. Uh, hit the hotline, 816-TIPS, 816-8477. I already got a text from uh, Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. So people watching everywhere, not just uh, the Bombers and Stampeders go toe-to-toe, but... Uh, Game day after dark here as well on uh, Bonfire Sports. Nick Dembski, Zach Kolaris, Dalton Schoen, Brady Oliveira, uh, definitely the story of this game, the Blue Bombers offense. Um, we are going to get into all of the details and, and talk about uh, some of the finer points of the game, uh, Mike. But on a macro perspective, how big this win was for the Blue Bombers in the standings. 8-0, it bumps Calgary down to third place in the CFL and in the West Division. BC still at 5-1. and one. It wins the season series for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, looking towards those two games against the BC Lions already, uh, October 15th and 28th, uh, that bookend uh, the Blue Bombers' third and final by this season. But this was the most difficult stretch of the season for Winnipeg, where they had to play three games in a row, on the road, uh, play Calgary twice in the month of July, face BC. That game, I don't think, I don't think people realize how big that win in BC was 43-22. Not just a dominant performance where they double up on the Lions pretty much, but they cooled, they doused water on the hottest team in the CFL. You look what Nathan Rourke did last night in Saskatchewan. You got Odell Willis and, and current and former players all amazed at the talent uh, of the young starting quarterback of the BC Lions. But Winnipeg pushes through a sloppy, ugly game in Edmonton. They go into Calgary in a team that just came off a bye. Shouldn't be overlooked after getting beat in Winnipeg by the Blue Bombers, bad taste in their mouth, lots of film study, lots of rest, and Winnipeg goes in there, and despite being without Greg Ellingson, without Kyrie Wilson, without Carlton Agadosi, without um, you know, so many players uh, that are missing from their lineup right now, they're on their third string safety, they're on their second string weak side linebacker, they're deep into their receiving core, um, they're on their second string center, uh, they're without Jackson Jeffcoat, and now a short week, maybe the final piece of this really, really tough stretch for the Blue Bombers where they haven't really shown too much fallibility at this point. They seem quite infallible, uh, not saying they're perfect, but they're finding a way to get the job done. They've got a game in five days in Montreal. I'd be surprised if they even had one open practice here in Winnipeg this week. Yeah, definitely. Um, another short week, uh, but <laughs> anybody on the team is going to tell you the same thing they tell you every time anybody asks that type of question and it doesn't phase them, doesn't affect them. They're, they're professional football players, professional athletes, two-time defending Grey Cup champions. It's just another game. And especially when you're locked in like this, I got to wonder DB and I don't know the answer to this. I'm just curious. 
Yeah. When you play in a short week or and things like that, who knows? Maybe there's some momentum, some momentum that way too of kind of being in a flow and and kind of you know not having this much time to think about that kind of stuff. I'm not too sure, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, just going one and zero each week. That's the that's the theme for uh, for the team when whenever they ask those types of questions. So. That's certainly going to continue uh, to, to, to be the answer when anybody kind of asks that type of stuff for sure. So uh, it's going to be an exciting matchup uh, next week. But, um, you know, we'll obviously talk more about that as we get closer to uh, to the game itself. Yeah, like I'll just say this. I don't think Kahari Jones or Baron Miles was the problem in Montreal. And uh, well, they're without those two uh now and and uh looking forward uh love this comment from turk who's watching live on youtube was a statement game no question mike i had people reaching out to me over the last few days you know like on the bonfire hotline uh, on uh game day winnipeg with chris walby that we when we went live yesterday uh, on bonfire midweek on tuesday as we always do at 7 30 here on the channel saying this is a good game for the Blue Bombers to lose. You know, like Calgary's a good team. And if they're going to lose one, it's good to lose one to a good team. I, I, I understand. I kind of get that. But if you, you take a bigger picture of it, do you want to lose to a team that you're likely going to face in the playoffs one way or another? You know, do you want to lose? Do you want to give that psychological ammunition to a team? No, like to have them know and you know that they got the better of you at one point this season. I don't think this was a good game for Winnipeg to lose. A short week and the first of a home-and-home against an East Division team like Montreal. Losing in Montreal on Thursday, coming back to Winnipeg the next week and and beating Montreal, I think that's a lot more digestible than losing to the Stampeders and then beating Montreal in back-to-back weeks. Again, this is the most difficult stretch of the season for Winnipeg. Um, I'm pretty sure they're the last team in the CFL to get a buy. Some teams already have had two buys this season. Like, uh, unbelievable to think that. And Winnipeg hasn't had one yet. So they have a buy week 11, which is uh, in mid-August. They'll have a buy week 16, which is in mid to late September. And then that final buy week 20, the week before the final week of the season, um, which will help them. They'll have the BC Lions at IG Field to wrap the season on October 28th. The Halloween game I always enjoy uh, so much when it when it's in Winnipeg. Um, but those buys will come in handy in the final stretch of the season. But Mike, like from your perspective in, in following football so closely here in the province uh, and in the city of Winnipeg and, and even in the CFL and the NFL, uh, going long stretches without a buy, in particular to start a season, can be very, very taxing on a club. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're seeing, I mean, right now there are some key players that are out with injuries, obviously. Greg Allenson is the one that's most notable that, um, you know, is a big storyline. But I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, it increases the opportunity to get hurt when you have a schedule like that. I'm sure there are situations, we've talked about Mike Miller in the past, I know there's other guys where they're resting, you know, they're not necessarily practicing every single day to try and kind of preserve their bodies as veterans as they get older, uh, you know, not necessarily needing to be out there as much on the day-to-day basis. Uh, but yeah, I mean, certainly that, uh, you know, at the end of the day too, though, like <laughs> if you want to come up with another reason why, you know, back, like oh, everyone's against this kind of thing, if you want to play that storyline, then you could use, yeah, you know, look at our schedule and, you know, look, look how long until we have a buy kind of situation. So it's, it's more fuel to the fire, I think, uh, as well in certain aspects. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's uh, certainly something to keep in mind. Uh, great comment here. Winnipeg wins and Sask loses. That's a perfect weekend. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Couldn't no agree kidding. more with, with that comment uh, for sure. I'm sure at some point, too, we'll talk about Sask and, and uh, the situation going on there a little bit. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, definitely definitely a great weekend. Uh, and going back quickly, sorry to your comment, Darren, about uh, just yep. Calgary and, and Montreal and winning and losing against certain teams. Anytime you're playing a team in your division, you want to win those games. I mean, that's just a no-brainer in terms of playoff positioning and, you know, just being able to, to have the upper hand in that regard. So, I mean, it's not every game is important, but those those Western Division matchups are, are that much more important, especially against a team like Calgary. Um, and I touched on it earlier, but who doesn't want to play an IGF in the playoffs? I mean, if you're a yep. away team, you don't want to go there. I mean, if you look at historically what's it's hard going to, on. It's hard to win there in July. Imagine <laughs> trying to win there in, in October, November, right? Yeah, you, you do not want to come to IGF in the playoffs. It is not a place yeah. you want to be for, for any team. Uh, so, you know, if you're the Bombers, you're just racking these wins up, especially divisionally. I mean, that's just massive for the postseason. And uh, can't understate just how important it was to win this game and to get that season series against the Calgary team that offensively is, is one of the teams, obviously BC has done it too, uh, you know, in terms of their, their, their record this year, but offensively one of the teams that can match the Bombers and then defensively being able to sort of have some key players. Malik Henry's had a great season for the Stampeders and their receiving mm -hmm. core in general. So um, with all that stuff in mind, this was such an important victory for, for Winnipeg and just being able to control their own fate essentially uh, as the season goes along. Absolutely. I love this comment from Larry Ward, who's watching live on YouTube. What's going on, Larry? Thanks for joining us. The word juggernaut comes to mind when Larry thinks of these Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That's hard to argue right now. Like, there are good teams. I remember watching the, the Calgary Stampeders of years gone by, that kind of uh, introduction of Bo Levi Mitchell to the CFL, uh, watching Jeff Garcia quarterback that team, watching... Um, uh, Henry Burris quarterback that team uh, to a Grey Cup and uh, nobody really giving them a lot of respect when um, Henry was uh, quarterbacking that team and, and and finding a way to to get it done. Um, what do you think of this comment from from Steve who uh, is he's he's fiery tonight in Bonfire? I'm, I'm seeing your comments, Steve. Uh, of course, yeah, Steve. It's Steve today. It's freezing tomorrow. But uh, either way, BC is a better team than Calgary. What do you think of that, Mike? Offensively, I mean, Kadeem Carey in the run game for B, excuse me, for yes. Calgary. I think that overall, and, and just with Bo Levi, I, I mean, if you're talking specifically overall as a team, I think that Calgary has a little bit of better run game. And so off, I, that's hard to say. In terms of um, quarterback comparisons, I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell has more experience, but I think you're getting a little bit more versatility on Nathan Rourke because of what he can do as a runner, uh, as a rusher as well. And just his, you know, his ability to kind of, he's a young quarterback, but the composure he has is impressive. Bo Levi, historically, and what he's done in the CFL, you, you can't deny his achievements. I would say in terms of, yeah, the quarterback position, I, I like BC a little bit more right now than I do Calgary. Uh, as an offense as a whole, I think Calgary has a little bit more there, but that's not to say that BC's receivers aren't spectacular. I mean, they, they've been they've been on a roll this year for sure. Uh, so it's it's really going to kind of come down to their matchups against each other to kind of answer that question. I feel like that they're both they're both teams that can quick strike in, in at any minute. So um, yeah, I think that's probably how I would answer that question. But I know we'll probably talk about Kadeem Carey a little bit more. This game we talked about you know offenses. I really feel like the run game was was a humongous part of this game for both teams. And Kadeem Carey is coming in leading the CFL in yards per carry at six point five. Uh, absolutely spectacular in terms of um, second effort 
yardage, but Brady was also. And uh, I mean, Brady, I was talking to a few guys that know Brady well uh, during this game, uh, and uh, they had noted, and you know, that's something that I saw too when he played in high school, is he always plays at his best when he's angry. When he's running angry, uh, he's fired up. He, he always plays at his best, and, and that's exactly what happened here again today. We've seen tons of uh, people in the comments uh, shouting out Brady and shouting out the O-line and shouting out the run game. And uh, I'll, I'll get on that on that uh, on that as well because he just had an absolutely tremendous game today. His uh, yardage after first contact was absolutely brilliant. He did a good job pass blocking. Gave Zach Kolaris time to throw the ball. No turnovers from the offense. Didn't allow a sack. So the run game just humongous for the Bombers and just a huge story in this game overall too. Uh, DB, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I don't think we can hear you on the uh, Oh, screen. I apologize. How about that? Uh, you're good now. I was worried. I thought it was on my end. It's like, oh, did I screw something up again? <laughs> no, appreciate that. Thanks, everybody, for uh, for letting me know. Um, yeah, like uh, like uh, Tyler Fabry, uh, University of Manitoba Bison and uh, current offensive line coach of the Sturgeon Heights Huskies. I was just saying how they're an absolute pipeline of talent to youth sports and, and to the Canadian Football League. Um, but they won the line of scrimmage and to see Brady Oliveira uh, work in space. And he mentioned this in some of his post-game comments to work in space, to have the opportunity in space to make guys miss. That's something that Winnipeg and, and Brady Oliveira in particular hasn't been able to do so far this season. Tonight, they found ways to get him into space, whether it was the, the play calling of Buck Pierce or, you know, having Nick Dembski in the lineup and having a little bit of a threat to a different side of the field or a different um, area of the defense's responsibility uh, or blocking from some of those receivers as well or whatever it was. It worked, and Brady in space was able to help uh, you know, make guys miss. Averaging 7.3 yards per carry, that's so reminiscent of the number I so often hear from fans saying, Johnny Augustine averaged 7.3 yards per carry. They got to give him the ball more. Well, there was Brady tonight taking full advantage of his 15 carries, 110 yards, pitches in uh, with uh, a couple catches for 16 as well. Um, Surely Winnipeg wants to in, ensure that they're able to keep this run game going. I really do believe Andrew Harris or not, it continues to be the reason why Winnipeg's offense is dangerous. Yeah, and I, you touched on something that I want to add to there, DB, just in terms of the versatility at the position. But in this game, it was Oliveira that was getting all the carries. We've seen there's been shared responsibility with uh, with Oliveira and Augustine, primarily those two for, for the season. And, and I think when you are the lead back mentally, there's just a different amount of confidence to your game. You get into the flow and the rhythm. And the reason I bring this up, some backs like it, some backs don't. Um, Manitoba Bison's uh, running backs, they, they they had a bunch last year, three or four of them. Uh, I was talking to Mike Rashad, who was one of the backs. And I'm not discounting yeah. anything they did as an offense. And I'm not trying to question play calling. Uh, former Winnipeg Mike's, Rifle, I have to former say. Former Winnipeg Rifle as well, yes. And Grant Park Pirate, my alum, uh, uh, my uh, high, uh, well, there you go. high school level too. Uh, Division two champions. Anyways, um, he was telling me that uh, as a running back, 
he needs his carries to get into a rhythm. Uh, it's something that's really important to him. Now, everybody's a little bit different that way, but at least from my perspective, I feel like when you're just, when it's just one guy, when it's just Brady running the rock and he's got that rhythm, and he's got that momentum and he's running over guys and, and he's just consistently that lead guy. I think that mentally that does help a little bit. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm not going to try and pretend that I'm the offensive coordinator and Buck Pierce knows what's best, but I just feel like momentum and consistently running the rock as the lead back is critical. Uh, and also Brady too. I mean, he touched on it in the post game in terms of that he stick, stuck to his identity tonight. He mentioned being the hammer and not the nail is the type of football I've played my entire life and and that's how he wants to run the rock for sure and uh, I mean his his statistics like when he's on a roll I, I just got to throw this in here I just feel like we're shouting out Brady I, he deserves this this is insane DB in the in the Winnipeg High School Football League as a senior this is eight regular excuse me this is seven regular season football games 1723 rushing yards in a seven game regular season Hundreds, yes, as a senior at Oak Park, when they won the Anavets Bowl, by the way. Uh, 163 total points, 26 rushing touchdowns. And for the season, 2,220 yards. He broke every single statistical rushing, uh, rushing uh, category you could at the high school level. I don't think those numbers are going to get touched. I mean, when Evan Bonus at Churchill, like back in the in the late 2000s, he set a bunch of records uh, that people didn't think were going to get broken. And then Brady came in here and just absolutely destroyed them. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it, it's just, it's great to see him succeeding because anybody that's watched Brady during his career, whether it be high school, whether it be at UND when he was there and now the Bombers, they just know his potential. And I'm one of those guys. I mean, he has so much potential. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm someone that's not quick to criticize when he's when he has those off games because you just know it's going to come. And you know the work that he puts in and you know the effort that he puts in on a day-to-day -day basis. And just like Nick Dembski, he is one of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. He does all the little things right. And he deserves to have this type of a game. And again, it's not possible without the O-line. Thanks, Tyler Fabry, for the reminder. By the way, yep. Tyler is also my broadcast partner for the Bison football games this year. So another oh, show. There you go. Him. Nice. <laughs> but um, yeah, nice. I mean, it doesn't happen without that veteran offensive line. But at the same time, for Brady, just it's great to see him really just reminding people more than anything else just how good he is as a running back. Well, and I think it's a good time to shout out Chris Kolonkowski and the rest, obviously, of the Blue Bombers offensive line. Jeff Gray, Pat Newfeld, uh, Jamarcus Hardrick, Stanley Bryant. But Chris Kolonkowski in particular, because the way he's been able to step into a position that is not easy to play, not you know, beyond the physical, it's not easy to play. He needs to call the protections. He needs to uh, be really at the point of contact. He needs to snap the ball, whether it's a short snap or a, a, a shotgun snap, needs to deliver that on time. For him to step into the lineup, take over from a CFLPA All-Star in Michael Couture uh, deserves uh, a shout-out as well. Speaking of shout-outs. Michael Wynn, the Wind Dog, watching live on Facebook. UND career was solid as well for uh, Brady Oliveira, no doubt uh, about that. Um, but thanks to everybody who's joining us. Like, numbers through the roof, as always, here on Game Day After Dark. Mike Still and Darren Bombing uh, breaking this one down. A very, very big win, 35-28 for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on a Saturday night in Calgary. Um, Mike, uh, lots of people in the live chat pulling up the uh, vanilla ice cream cones. Uh, love to see that. Uh, it, it's almost like that's something that's really going to come out when Winnipeg's offense 
produces the, like the way they did tonight. Uh, offensively, just pulling up uh, their numbers here, uh, they put up 430 net yards of offense. Calgary, 358. Uh, it was pretty even throughout the game. That long drive Winnipeg was able uh, to put together in the fourth quarter definitely added to that. Um, had some people mention, uh, you know, the kicking game and, and Winnipeg needing, uh, I can't believe that conversation is still continuing. Um, despite, um, you know, Mark Leggio going two for two tonight and, and getting the job done. Uh, there was a moment in the game, Mike, I wanted to ask you about when it comes to kicking converts, uh, that the blue bombers decided that going up by six was okay. Five versus six with about a quarter to play. I say five versus six because if you miss a two-point convert, you're left with a five-point lead. If they get the two-point convert, then it's a seven-point lead and Calgary would need to score a touchdown and, and two field goals wouldn't do it. But with a quarter to play and the way Rene Perez hit a career-high 58-yarder. 58? A 53, I believe. Uh, I could be 53, wrong. 53, pardon me. Yeah, 53 for Rene Perez, uh, a career high for him. Uh, and he went five for five today with a quarter to play and a team uh, that is moving the ball extremely well, that your defense is holding from touchdowns. And you got a kicker who's in his home stadium and, and booting as well as he is in Rene Perez. I don't blame Michael Shea for a second for going beyond the metrics and the numbers and saying it comes down to the feel of the game when your defense is not allowing touchdowns um, or allowing more field goals than touchdowns. And there's whole quarter, like that could be three possessions, maybe even four for Calgary to scratch and claw back. Um, I didn't mind that call. I didn't mind it either. I mean, I, I'm sure that this probably going to get talked about more than it needs to, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I just think that in that situation, you just got to trust the guy that's won, won, won the amount that Michael Shea has won and, and trust the defense. That's a really big part of it, DB, that you brought up. Trust your team at the end of the day yeah. and, and the rhythm and the flow of, of what's going on in the football game. And who knows, well maybe that call it doesn't happen in, in the same situation in a different game because the flow of the game is different. Um, you know, who knows in that regard, but I think in this case, it, it was definitely the right decision. And Michael Shea is, is one of those guys that will just ride and die with this guys regardless. So, um, yes, he will. yeah, no, I think that that decision was, was the correct one and um, yeah, <laughs> worked out for the Bombers. So uh, definitely, definitely nothing to be mad about there. Uh, I just want to bring up, sorry to go off topic here. I, I've been seeing a lot of people in the comments talking about uh, Nick Hallett and coming in and stepping up in this game, uh, playing at the safety position. Uh, and he, he played uh, very well tonight. Uh, he had the big PBU there uh, in the second half as well for the Bombers. And, and just nice was hit. a sound. Yeah, it was a very nice hit. Uh, it was just very sound at the position. And he's a guy that, uh, he's a Canadian player. Uh, he's uh, from the University of Toronto. We got both the Hallett brothers, both Hallett brothers on the roster. Noah, absolute stud at McMaster. Part of some secondaries there at Mac that were just absolutely lights out, uh, very physical, hard hitting, and and Nick is just a player that's just so much fun to watch because of how he comes downhill. He kind of, he kind of reminds me of Taylor Loeffler in certain aspects of his game and just how hard he comes downhill and he reads things so quickly and sure, just yeah. drops the absolute hammer down uh, in those situations. And I think there were some people that were maybe a little bit worried that he he was going to kind of be a bit of a weak link in that secondary. And that was not the case. Uh, and he's also somebody that has been on special teams already for this team and, and has done a great job. So just want to shout out Nick Hallett because I know that it's been talked about in the comments as well here already. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great thing to mention. Um, when Winnipeg is down a starter, like Mike O'Shea does not like to say there's there's ones and twos and threes. There there's there's a roster for a reason. Um, I get that, but it's also not entirely true, right? Like the reason one guy's playing over another is because they're the starter, and the other is the backup. But the faith and the confidence and the trust that the coaching staff has in every player who puts a helmet on to go in and do their job and, you know, row the boat with their teammates. Uh, it really says something for that Mike O'Shea mentality, right? Like play for yourself. No, you play for your teammates. You play for the guy next to you. And when you win, you celebrate with them. And when you lose, you go to work with them to, uh, to figure out, how you can be better every single day. Um, it really is something to uh, uh, to witness here in Winnipeg, and it's a huge reason why they're back-to-back Grey Cup champs. They're 8-0 this season, uh, and they're able to go into places like McMahon Stadium uh, and come away with a 35-28 victory uh, like we saw tonight. Um, I wanted to mention, uh, you know, uh, well, Michael Wynn, amongst a handful of people watching live on Facebook, uh, Steve Smith is watching live on Facebook as well. Appreciate everybody joining us on Facebook and YouTube. If you're watching on Twitter right now, head over to youtube.com slash bonfire sports, and then you'll be able to join the live chat. We'll, uh, you know, give your hot take, your question. We'll be able to get to that. Um, so I wanted to talk about Kadeem Carey. I wanted to talk about the battle that was Reggie Bagleton versus Dietrich Nichols. I think that was, you talk about a heavyweight bout between the Bombers and the Stampeders. Dietrich Nichols versus Reggie Bagleton. You'd be hard pressed to find a better uh, DB receiver matchup uh, in the CFL today uh, than those two. But let's talk about Dalton Schoen because lots of people asking questions. They want to know about the eye black. They want to know uh, about, uh, you know, some of the, finer points uh to Dalton shown he was again rock solid tonight no he didn't catch everything thrown his way but that's not always on the receiver four catches on eight targets a game high 80 yards receiving uh including a long of 26 continues to rack up the yak very good with the football in his hands uh after the catch and two more touchdowns gives him seven on the season Eight games, seven touchdowns, two multi-touchdown games this season, Mike. He is something to behold for a guy that has never played in a pro game, has been in pro facilities in the National Football League, pro bowler and Super Bowl champion Travis Kelsey, a good friend, former um, uh, roommate of Zach Kolaris while at the University of Cincinnati, spoke highly of Dalton Schoen and, and gave Kolaris, uh, his buddy, uh, a bit of a heads up on him uh, prior to the season saying, you know, he, he's got skill, he goes to work, uh, shown doing all of the right things on and off the field. And well, we're, we're seeing right now uh, the blossoming of a true star in the CFL right here in Winnipeg. Absolutely. Uh, very well said. And I, I love that, that little bit of a tidbit about finding shown in the first place and just having those connections, super, super valuable. Now, uh, Craig Smith, great stuff uh, on the broadcast, tons of awesome comments. I know he's very involved at the university scene too. Uh, he yes. mentioned just, just shows the personnel department, works hard and gets quality players, not only on the field and off. And I mean, we've seen that in every position, really. The secondary is the one that immediately comes to mind for a variety of reasons. But for sure, I mean, the receiving core, they had huge uh, gaps to fill this off season uh, with Kenny Lawler uh, being gone, as well as um, uh, Darvin Adams being 
being gone as well. And I mean, Sean has come in here and just been spectacular for this team. His route running, his when, um, especially on deep balls too. I mean, he's, his catch radius is spectacular, but uh, you know, contested catches, deep balls. Uh, he's And we, we talked about that earlier this season, DB, was the Bombers needed to find a guy that co- could go deep. They needed to find someone that would be able to replace Darvin Adams in that production. And right. early on in the season, you you were talking to Jordy Wilson, I think, about this a little bit in, in the Bombers locker room, uh, sorry, in the, in the Rifles uh, locker room there a little bit about yeah. um, who's that guy going to be? You know, we, we had the possession receivers already. You know, Rasheed Bailey, great possession receiver receiver stepping into a larger role as well uh, but who was going to be that deep threat and Dalton Schoen has really become that guy for uh, the Blue Bombers and when Greg Allenson comes back I mean he's somebody that does a great job and he did this in Calgary uh, against Calgary of just shielding himself when the ball is in the air and making it so DB basically unless his hand is like literally like right there between uh, the receivers, very difficult to, to to knock the ball down or make a play. But on those deep right. balls, it's shown. Shown's been the guy. So, I mean, just a credit to the scouting department, a credit to the connections as well. You mentioned Kolaris and the connection there too. And just being able to come in and, and, and have a, a fit and culturally too, you got to fit the culture. And this is mentioned all the time, you know, fit in or Lack of better would fit in or get out of here. Right? So, <laughs> so, you know, that's Sean has done that. And and a lot of guys have done that for the Bombers, not just this season, but in previous seasons as well. And it's just, it's a scouting department thing. And it's the guys coming in and having the right attitude uh, and being able to, to do their job when needed. And Sean, we talked about this before. I don't want to linger on it too much, but he was a walk on at Kansas State. So there's just that little bit of extra effort you have to put in to prove, okay, I'm good enough to play at this level. I'm good enough to play Division One football. I'm good enough to be a professional football player. And Dalton Schoen has done all of that. Uh, and uh, just kudos to him coming up big again with Allenson on the lineup. Yeah, he, he was really something. Um, a three-sport athlete in high school, unrecruited. I, I think he got a Division II uh, scholarship or, or a partial scholarship. He decided to turn that down uh, and go to Kansas State uh, in his home state uh, from Overland Park, Kansas. Um, and, you know, being a three-sport athlete in high school stopped Dalton Schoen from showing how good he is at football, the sport he ultimately wanted to play. Played basketball, was a point guard and a shooting guard, played baseball as well. And I, I talked about this on the pregame. Uh, I talked about this on um, uh, uh, Bonfire Midweek with, uh, with Zach Schnitzer earlier this week. Uh, and I quizzed Zach and I quizzed Chris Walby. This question, and I will now put it to you, Mike Still, and for everybody out there uh, who maybe didn't catch that on, on the previous programs here on Bonfire Sports, what position in baseball did Dalton Schoen play? And the reason it stood out to me is that you think of his skill set that he has shown here, pardon the pun, uh, with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers um, as a lights-out receiver. Very much translated from the position he played in baseball. So your guess, what position did uh, Dalton Schoen play in baseball? So I'm going to guess third base, but something's telling me it's probably catcher at the I- <laughs> I just, I, something's telling me for some reason it's casual, but I'm going to go with third base. Good guesses. Good guesses. Zach and, and uh, Walby each guessed shortstop. That probably would have been my guess because, you know, ultra athletic, strong, fast, you know, smart, the rest. Um, but he played center field. And when he explained playing center field in baseball, it, it all made sense. He says, you know, like I, I was, I'm fast. You know, he was probably an excellent base runner too. Um, athletic, 
you know, being able to make some some diving catches and things like that. The hand-eye coordination, obviously. But he talked about playing shallow in center field because he could be aggressive that way because if the ball was hit over his head, he could turn and track it really fast. He even talked about doing like the, the Willie Mays over the shoulder kind of basket catch, which is what we've seen him do on many occasions on the business end of a Zach Kolaris deep pass. He has great ability to run very fast. You think of that, I think it was the first touchdown he caught tonight where uh, Titus Wall, the dimebacker for the Calgary Stampeders, was with him and was running with him, but just thought, well, this ball is not going to be deep. I'm going to take it short as a defensive back. And it was the wrong decision. Shown continued his body and, and was able to, uh, you know, reach his hands out and, and pull that in in the back of the end zone. Um, it's really something to watch an athlete like uh, like Dalton Schoen blossom in a game here in Canada where he knew what the CFL was and, and he watched some games. And it was interesting listening to his podcast on the Handled Internally on, on the Blue Bombers website with, uh, with Ed and, and DC, uh, how when he came to Canada, he goes, and, and got the playbook. Dalton Schoen didn't know it was 12 on 12 in Canada until he got the playbook. He's like, wow, okay. You know, like you watch it on TV. He's watching on ESPN from Kansas. Motion from the line of scrimmage. The receiver's going the rest. You know, he didn't realize how big the field was. He knew it was bigger. Uh, knew the goalposts were, uh, you know, in the field of play and not out like American football or like national, the, the National Football League and, and traditional American football. But, uh, didn't know it was 12 on 12 football until he got, got a playbook in his hands and was signed with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So um, he's picked it up quickly. Michael Shea has spoken glowingly of his effort and the work he does. Um, it speaks to uh, a lot of young players out there, female or male, football, hockey, basketball, whatever your game is, you put in the work they will find you. You will get your opportunity. Uh, just be a student of the game work on and off the field or off off the, the ice and, and it'll pay off for you. It did for Dalton Schoen. Yeah, most definitely. That's a great, uh, great reminder, DB, to all the athletes out there. Uh, don't uh, don't give up. Don't uh, just if you're not scouted, if you're not the top recruit coming out, keep working hard because nothing trumps hard work at the end of the day. If, if you have that internal mindset and believe in yourself, um, really that's that's the most important thing you know bet on yourself DJ, my good friend dj lalama he says that all the time it's the slogan bet on yourself um yeah. and you know things will pay off for you if you do that and certainly has for dalton show so yeah well it did for dj lalama too you know time here in winnipeg in montreal in calgary i believe most recently uh mr irrelevant as they call it in the nfl dj lalama a winnipegger uh st paul's high school uh, taken with the final pick in the CFL draft and the Edmonton football team at the time, now the Elks wanted him to play fullback. Right. And he's like, yeah, yeah. They not so hot them. on the idea. Right. <laughs> and stuck it out and, and uh, kept getting opportunities. Cause he's just, you know, a, a hard ass worker um, and uh, put together a, a pretty good uh, CFL career. And now has decided to, to move on to that next phase in life. So shout out DJ, a uh, good friend of both of ours. Right, Mike. Um, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, when it comes to Dalton Schoen, obviously he's American and, and plays offense and it's a little bit different, but same deal. Um, you know, you, you put in the work, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, speaking of putting in work, can we talk about Nick Dembski not practicing for a month and then coming and balling out like he did tonight? Unbelievable 
performance for the Winnipeg native. He, you know, like the numbers pretty much speak for themselves. When you mention uh, the three second down conversions, which were really, really big uh, tonight, but seven catches on nine targets, uh, 69 yards, average 10 yards per catch, uh, and two touchdowns. He played fierce. He played angry. You could tell when the ball was in his hands, that one cut he made uh, without the ball in his hands to, to get open, I think, for his first touchdown. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, was really, really something. Uh, he must have been working his tail off behind the scenes to uh, not practice, um, at least in the open practices. There was a close practice for the Blue Bombers this week. Very likely got his work in there. And to come off the six-game injured list and play like he did, man, what a player, what an athlete Nick Dembski is. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny because, you know, he also mentioned, you know, he's he's not where he wants to be, of course. So when he does, when he does get to where he wants to be, I mean, look out, essentially. And I mean, on those two touchdowns, such different plays, right? I mean, on that first one, he lines up almost, he lines up in the backfield, comes into motion, he times his route perfectly on that first touchdown the dbs get caught up with the two inside routes he's wide open on the far side there and that's that's a film study and a football iq thing too db and i think that also comes down to the game being about more than just getting reps on the field you need to get your mental yep. reps in as much as you get your physical reps in and i going back to dj lalama he he was big on that i mean he was huge on football iq and being able to understand what's going on, not just understand what's going on with your route or on defense with with your um, you know what your your assignment on defense, but just in general and and timing stuff up to know what is the overall goal of the play, what's the overall goal that the offense is trying to accomplish, and he did that on that first touchdown, and then on that second one that was vintage Nick Dembski. He always has the head movement. It's been something he's so well known for is that he fakes like he's going one way with, with his head movement goes back inside and as a DB, like it's one of the first things that they teach you is look at the hips, <laughs> look at the hips, don't look at the head because the head, you know, that's what a receiver's trying to do. They're trying to get you to open up your hips like on that play and then it makes it so much easier to get inside positioning uh, and, and get open there. And I mean, on that second touchdown, that's something that Nick Dembski has been doing his entire career. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's something he continues to work on, but it, you know, just not the classic example of reps, 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 both on the field, but also mental reps, being able to to get stuff down when you are injured, and and understanding the the concepts that uh, are part of the offense. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, it goes well beyond what we just witness as as fans and and broadcasters and the rest uh, watching it. Uh, love this comment from Scott Roger, whose son uh, is a Winnipeg hey, rifle. Yeah. Yeah, Jake. Shout out Jake Roger. Great receiver. Veteran That's receiver right. for the rifles. That's right. Roger that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, roger that and rifle up. Uh, hard work beats talent. I remember uh, when I was in, uh, in journalism school, Mike, uh, I had an instructor tell me, hard work beats talent. Yeah, sure. But nothing beats talent when it works hard. And these are pro athletes. These guys are all talented. They're all good. They're all physically gifted. They're all uh, talented to play the game. It's the extra work they put in. Like, look at Adam Big Hill. The videos he puts out there on his social media, the speed work he does with uh, a local uh, coach yeah. here, Glenn Bruce, who's phenomenal person, uh, as well as a, uh, a phenomenal uh, speed coach, works with uh, you know Brady Oliveira, worked with 
or pardon me, uh, Johnny Augustine uh, uh, extensively the last couple off seasons, worked with Drew Wolitarski to get his speed up in, in his game, and we've seen it. But the work Adam Big Hill does with like the plyometrics and the core training, like I, I said to Jordy Wilson just this week, uh, head coach of the Winnipeg Rifles, um, Adam Big Hill has more muscle between his you know sternum and his hips than I have in my entire body. Like it's unbelievable how much work he does in those areas. It's not just biceps and legs and squats and the rest. Uh, he goes well, well beyond that. And uh, it's, it's a huge reason why he's able to do the things he's able to do on the field. And then the work he does off the field and watching film and breaking it down. Uh, I've had players and coaches tell me like blown away in doing film study with um, with Adam Big Hill and how smart he is and how insightful he is and how knowledgeable he is of the players and the systems and, and everything in the Canadian Football League. Um, it's no surprise players like Adam Big Hill are multi-time uh, most outstanding defensive players, multi-time All-Stars and no doubt future Hall of Famers. And, and these guys are all going to be in the in the ring of honor you know, with our good friend Chris Walby and, and so many others at IG Field, right? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I totally agree with that. Um, quickly, just a comment we've got here from Eric Giesbrecht. Dembski is still somehow still underrated in the CFL. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And one of the reasons why Dembski is still underrated is because because of what he does in the offense, and you have to understand and know where he is every single play, he, he takes uh, other players on his team and puts them in positions to succeed, where they get ISO situations, you get a double on Dembski, or there's other stuff going on. So it's, it's about way more than just what he does with the ball in his hands. It's about all the stuff he does pre-snap. It's about all those other things that, that take place. And those are things that don't show up on the stat line, but are just as valuable. He's not that guy that's coming in and getting 100 yards necessary every single game, but he's doing all those little things so, so, so well and making sure that his teammates are in great positions to succeed. So uh, I totally agree that he's underrated in the sense of like, you know, people don't talk about him as like a top five statistical receiver. And there's, you know, there's other players in the league this year that have had, Dominic Rimes is a player that comes to mind as players that have really shown out in terms of big plays. But Nick Dembski overall as, as understanding his role and understanding how to help his teammates succeed. You can't, I mean, you can't buy that. Like you can't, you, like, you know, you saw it when he was injured and when he's under the lineup, you know, you, you can't uh, replace somebody like that. So, yeah, just I would totally agree with that comment for sure. Uh, and I also agree with the comments about Adam Big Hill. I've had the opportunity to talk to him and he really always just speaks about how much work he had to put in because he wasn't the biggest guy in his position when he was back in the States playing. You know, he always felt like he had a chip on his shoulder. That was one of the things that motivated yeah. him. And DB, that's a theme of this podcast we're talking about is just some of these guys that just had to work that little bit extra harder in right. other elements of the game outside of just the field to be successful and uh just i mean it again just an underlying theme of just keep working you know don't, don't let outside noise affect you um and block it out uh love this comment from uh waiters and everybody in the live chat tonight like awesome stuff thanks for joining us here on bonfire sports if you haven't uh, head to youtube.com slash bonfire sports or if you're already watching uh, on youtube which i believe most of you are um be sure to subscribe, hit the like button, helps us 
uh, a ton. And uh, then you can ring the bell if you're subscribed and you'll know when we go live here uh, on Bonfire Sports. Bonfire Midweek, Tuesdays at 7.30. Uh, Zach Schnitzer will be back uh, in the saddle again. Uh, Mike, I'm sure you and I will do some more post games here and game day after dark um, and pregame with Chris Walby the legend, as we always do the day before the game, we go live at three o'clock and uh, do a jump in right from Winnipeg sports talk with hustler uh, and Michael Remus. Uh, a couple things uh, I wrote down during the game, Mike, that I wanted, um, wanted to get to uh, interesting. When you think of the blue bombers start this season, they're the fifth team since the league's inception in 1958. Yes. You know, we're looking towards the 109th gray cup, but the CFL proper uh, formed in 1958. The Blue Bombers are now the fifth team ever to start a season 8-0. and um, They did it uh, in 1962. I believe they started 10-0. and They did it again uh, in 1938, I believe, uh, was another uh, eight-win start to the season. Um, but regardless, uh, it's, it's, it, this isn't just a good football team. They're the back-to-back champs with a pandemic year in the middle and how injured they are, how deep they are into their roster without, you know, I, I can just read them off here. Kyrie Wilson, all-star. Mercy Maston, all-star. Uh, Michael Couture, all-star. Brandon Alexander, easily an all-star. Um, Carlton Agadosi, two touchdowns, now out of the lineup. T- tough uh, break for him. Um, you know, uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, all-star. Greg Ellingson perennial 1000 yard receiver and an all-star and they're getting it done without all of those guys. Um, of course, if, if they had an injury at a couple particular positions, it might be a different story, but the reality is this team is so rock solid and founded, um, that they're, they're just finding ways to get it done. No matter what it is, an ugly game in Edmonton last week, or, you know, a, a much tighter, crisper football game like we witnessed in Calgary tonight. Yeah, for sure. And this was something that was talked about in the live chat. So it, it, it fits with what you mentioned, DB. This isn't a team that has starters and second strings and third strings. Sure, you got to label it that way, obviously. But at the end of the day, I mean, any everybody practices like they are the starter. They get the same reps in terms of like needing to know the systems and things like that. So, um, you know, th- this is just a spectacular example of that, of, of guys coming in and, and not losing anything in terms of the depth that this team has but more importantly db you just that was a great reminder that you just listed off literally like six all-stars that are not currently crazy in the starting and lineup. then like other really really good players too in addition to those guys like it's unbelievable <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable like yeah. i mean I, it's it's too early to be talking about this but you know, as we get closer to maybe this, like the, you know, the, the, the back half of the season, this could go down as one of the best um, regular season performances in the history of the CFL. I mean, goodness gracious. Like, I mean, this team and the ability to plug and play players on defense and still be able to what, to do what they need to do to be successful, specifically because of guys like Adam Big Hill and because of guys like uh, Willie Jefferson in the in the lineup and the instincts that they have and being able to understand what's going on and maybe do some stuff on their own um, and the trust that Richie Hall has right. in them. On offense, Zach Kolaris, what he can do roaming outside of the pocket, his ability to keep plays alive, the depth on the offensive line you talked about earlier with Chris Kolonkowski at the uh, at the center position. That was a great find, by the way, from, from Walters and the staff. I mean, he was a great cup champion with the Toronto Argonauts prior to that uh another canadian coming out of york university a great program there and i mean that's a classic example of finding another guy that can come in and play 
So, I mean, it's, it's the scouting really is a big part of it to me, DB. It's the scouting and it's the culture. I mean, the, the culture has yeah. been well established in Winnipeg now with Michael Shea, with Kyle Walters, two Canadians, the Canadian mafia, you know, which was another big thing for, for them after that, you know, after we played Calgary the one year. That's a Stan Peters thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, I, and you know what? It's funny because we're talking, I'm sorry, I'm going on a bit of a tangent here now, but like, no, it's good. <laughs> you know, with the vanilla stuff and with the Canadian mafia, when it happened, you don't want to give a team like Winnipeg, like more fuel to the fire because they finally. <laughs> Way to use it because yeah. that's just sometimes teams need that right you need that little bit of extra identity even in the nhl the carolina hurricanes when they got called a bunch of jerks you know you feel that it, you use it you yeah. it motivates you and then you keep right. on taking it even with bison's hockey like there's there's a there's a theme for for you know whatever the head coach is a, a word every single year there's a word that's used for the team culture okay and it's just a way to really keep things consistent and understand okay what what do we want to embody as a team not as a player what do we want to embody as a team? And it's a team sport, obviously, at the end of the day. And football, arguably, I mean, all sports that are team sports are, are, the, are that. But football, you know, you got to understand your role, but you got to understand how it, how it pertains to the entire scheme. So, I mean, it's just a great example of how the culture in Winnipeg is so strong. And, and it really comes down to the staff and the players understanding that they're not individuals in this thing. Great tangent, Mike. Uh, just a little jab there, uh, inside joke to uh, the live chat. Uh, but we digress and, and we'll move on. Uh, some of the, the comments I, I really want to, uh, to get to tonight. Um, but, you know, a couple people, including uh, Fritchie and uh, some others saying, you know, and I think this is important. The Blue Bombers are such a good team, such a good story let alone wildly entertaining. And more people in this province and in the city and, and really in Canada need to take notice. Like, beautiful stadium. It's been beautiful weather this summer uh, to fill the building for the rest of the season, I think would be a great, great thing. Uh, people need to not just support this team, but more importantly, appreciate this team. And I say it's more important because that's the first step. Appreciate what Winnipeg is doing right now. This is a special moment in Winnipeg sports history. This team is that good. People need to realize you can start 8-0 or 10-0 or 12, whatever. Back-to-back Grey Cup champs, riddled with injury, going toe-to-toe with great teams, getting ugly and then winning against weaker teams, uh, just finding a way to do it with uh, a ton of electric, exciting uh, plays with phenomenal storylines to see what Nick Dembski did tonight, a Winnipegger, to see what Brady Oliveira did tonight, another Winnipegger, to see Jeff Gray on that offensive line getting it done, uh, a Winnipegger. Um, you know, to see the Canadians on this team from across our country uh, contribute to a team, that Canadian Mafia, CEO, general manager, head coach, a lot of the coaching staff, um, all Canadians getting it done, working with their American counterparts uh, to, to get it done. It's really, really something special. People need to drink it in. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for the, the comment that was made earlier uh, about this Winnipeg Blue Bombers team. Oh, I, I favored... I favorited a lot of these, so I, I might not be able to find it, but essentially said, you know, the Blue Bombers are a team that actually makes me happy in this city. Uh, tough times for the Winnipeg Jets right now. 
we're, we're all we all enjoy hockey, Mike. Of course, we're we're in a hockey hotbed here, maybe the hockey hotbed uh, in North America. Um, if the Jets are struggling, hey, you know the Bombers were struggling at one time. You know the diehards are going to be there, but jump on the bandwagon and enjoy this team while they're playing. Uh, you know, five, ten, fifteen years from now, things might be different. You're going to go back and think of 2019, 2021, 2022, and beyond as a very, very special time as a sports fan in this in this province. Yeah, Darren, and if I could just say something personal here real quick. Um, and also, uh, your, your typical co-host, uh, Zach, had a really, 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 really great story on Three Down Nation. If you haven't gone in and read that story, yes, please thank do. You. Uh, it was Thank a spectacular, you for that. yeah, no problem. Spectacular story. He was discussing his journey, uh, his mental health journey, and and how the bombers were were uh, some. First of all, some of the themes with the bombers, and you know, and with mental health. And he talked about his journey and how uh, the bombers really helped him through that. And if I can just say personally, when the bombers won that Grey Cup in 2019, I, I wasn't exactly in a great spot either. I, I deal with my own mental health struggles and. That team got me through. <laughs> they got me through uh, some tough times in 2019. And, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of us in the chat or a lot of people in the chat, you and me, DB, we cover this stuff. But at the end of the day, we're fans like we love this team. We played football yeah. like, you know, we understand yeah. what this what this means to the community. And we also understand like that, you know, not every year has been like this. You know, there have been some lean years. There have been some really lean years. And, you know, I think what Winnipeg has been able to do and just the grittiness of the team, it, it, it kind of comes into play with the community too. Winnipeg is a gritty city, you know, it's, it's a city filled with people that work hard, you know, you, you lunch pail attitude, you just go in and you do your thing, you do your job, and you do your work and not every day is your best, but you know, you just you, you embody that next day kind of just one day at a time mentality, and you get through. And I think the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the organization and especially even when Kyle Walters came in, they didn't start off great, you know, he and you know, it's not entirely Kyle Walters fault, you know, he inherited some previous pieces there was the work old, there was a lot know, of work to do a lot of work, work to, to do. do but they didn't he what they didn't give up on Cal Walters um you know he wasn't given up on Michael Shea didn't give up on Michael Shea the community did not give up on this team never will give up on this team and and it's just amazing to see how successful they are now there I, nothing makes me happier than seeing how successful the Blue Bombers have been over these last few seasons because because of the amount of work that's gone into this um, and just the, the perseverance, it's its something that you really, really need to appreciate when you think about the, the, the struggles over the last decade prior to that as well, and just really soak that all in. And I tell this to all my friends that are outside of Winnipeg. I said, when you come to Winnipeg for any reason, if you're here, you need to go to a Winnipeg Blue Bombers football game because you cannot replicate the energy in that stadium. You just can't. Like when it's loud in there and, you know, and the team is doing their thing, it's, it's just amazing. It's just absolutely spectacular to see uh, and it's something that I think everybody needs to do at one point in their life come to IGF witness that in person be a part yeah. of that experience you got to do it yeah no I uh, well put Mike uh, and I love that we're we're getting into these things uh, on game day after dark because this is kind of at the core of of bomber nation this is at the core of what makes following the blue bombers a special thing um I want to talk about Zach's piece on on Three Down Nation. Um, I, I failed to uh, tweet it out, and you know I even talked to Zach about it. And I, I definitely want to give it kind of a boost when less people are talking about it. But he had a great interview with Jim Toth on CGOB this week. Uh, you know he's had people calling and texting him and reaching out to him, tweeting him, and the rest uh, of how 
just frankly how good that article was. Uh, I'm going to put a link to that uh, piece from uh, Zach Schnitzer uh, in the video description as soon as the uh, uh, the live stream is done tonight. But to your point about uh, you know how important these uh, some of these things are to people, like sports brings people together like no other. Zach touches on that in his piece. It's also, you know, that long struggling Blue Bombers fan, how special and important it was when they were able to hoist the Grey Cup in 2019. Um, you know, I grew up in the city playing the game, loving the game, loving going to Blue Bomber games, uh, you know, both um, as a really tuned in fan, watching everything all the time to, you know, some of those wilder years in, in my teens and early 20s where, you know, I'm in the Manitoba social of the, the rum hut at Canada Stadium. And it was like the cannon goes off and it's like you turn around. Oh, they scored right on. Cheers. You know, and, and you're just having a good time uh, amongst your friends and, and less engaged in the game. However you take in the games, um, you know, is 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 cool. Right. But growing up that way, appreciating the Blue Bombers football as a whole, the Canadian Football League, the National Football League, college and, and university. Um to then work in it now uh, and have to put, you know, I always say I put my fan card in a safe deposit box and one day I'll, I'll open it up again, but it, that'll be a while from now. I, I fingers crossed anyway. And, but in 2019, standing on that field of McMahon, uh, I put a video out on Twitter uh, talking about all of the people calling and texting me, how excited they were, how joyous they were after 29 years of not being able to be at the top of the mountain. And, you know, I take my job seriously. I take my objectivity of covering sports very, very seriously. But I got emotional in that moment because I knew how special and important it was to so many people that are close to me in my life. And to, to kind of bring it back to Zach's piece on Three Down Nation, um, it just rung true in so many ways of, of how sports and the things we enjoy to get away from the stresses in life, how important those things are, how important friendships are like Mike, you and I, you know, uh, us and, and, uh, you know, coach Jordy Wilson and everybody with the Winnipeg rifles, the players, the parents, uh, the, the board members, the, the volunteers and support staff, um, you know, just the football community as a whole, whether it's, you know, Brian Doby and, and the Bison's program or the high school programs, or just the people that show up at practice and come say hello to me uh, at IG Field, that, that community. You know, like shout out Pumper. You had a, a really tough go uh, this past week, and uh, I, I know you're in good spirits and doing well, hoping, hoping you're doing well. But to see the Blue Bombers as good as they are today, how special this moment is, to enjoy that with the football community, and then knowing that there is support there if you need it, that there are people there that can help, um, and that sports can be that step away from some of the bigger stresses in life. I think, um, you know, Zach did a great job writing about it this week. Um, I, I think everybody really should continue to enjoy that fact. It's, it's, it's just a great thing. It's the reason why I love sports. I loved it as a kid because of the jerseys and the goalie masks and, and the, the football cleats and, and uh, you know, the game and the television and the broadcast and sports center and, and, you know, CKND sports desk with, with Joe Pascucci and, and Darren Millard and, and Gene Principe and all of those guys, like that was cool. But now that I've worked in pro sports for a long time, worked in amateur sports for a long time, like you do, Mike, 
um, to uh, really live sports because it's my my job every day, 12 months of the year. Um, it's not lost on me how special the Jets, the Bombers, the community, the games themselves, uh, the sports themselves are to everybody. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. So big shout out, Zach. Uh, I'm, I'm very uh, envious of your courage. And I told Zach that uh, in person this week because we had, we had a couple good long chats. We became very quick friends uh, because of the type of guy he is. There's nobody more rock solid than Zach Schnitzer. And well, that's why I brought him into to Bonfire Sports. He's, he's, a, he's a great guy. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, thanks again, Zach, for sharing your story. And I yeah. uh, really appreciate the open, openness and the honesty. And like you said, DB, it yeah. uh, really just comes back to the community. You know, sports can bring people together. And you know, that's not lost on me. I know it's not lost on you. Uh, and you mentioned it because of the line of work we're in. We interact with so many people on the day to day and just hearing their stories. It's amazing. I mean, we come like we come from different backgrounds, but sports brings you together. I mean, yeah. for a variety of different reasons. And I think that's the really cool part about it, too, is you learn about the fans too. You learn about, you know, where they come from, you know, what's their background, what got them involved in, in being a Bomber fan or what got them involved in watching sports and supporting teams in the first right. place. It's it's very fun to be able to have that type of a community. And it means so much to me. Uh, it means so much to you, you know, I know as well, DB. And, and, you know, even in the live chat, so many great comments from everyone. And I really appreciate, you know, everybody tuning in and listening to stuff like this uh, and to just be, be here for a common reason. It's just, it's great. Right. It's absolutely spectacular. Yeah. Well, and, and like uh, Scott Rogers says here, uh, who's been a big supporter of the, of the channel and rifle up, Scott, uh, you guys all rock. Thanks to each of you. And that's everybody watching right now. That's not me and you, Mike. That's everybody watching in the live chat. Everybody is, is you know, they have fun. They take barbs and, and, and shots at one another, but it's cordial and it's it's respectful. And, and that's a great thing. You know, everybody is welcome here. I love the female fans uh and, and voices that that join us uh, i think that's really important especially in the game of football that is so historically been male driven uh female fans should take in this game and enjoy it like uh everybody because um you know don't, don't be intimidated by it uh there are people out there like us mike i know you in particular you and i've talked about this before um it's it's important for uh to women to to not feel intimidated or on the outside looking in uh when it comes to to football and, and to sports in general but either way taking a shot we digress a uh, huge win for the bombers tonight 35 28 uh and and everybody who um you know is is joining us here and, and enjoying this winnipeg blue bombers team uh Kadeem Carey, if I can say, Mike, I'm putting him firmly in the CFL MOP conversation with Zach Kolaris, with Nathan Rourke, maybe even with an Adam Big Hill. Um, there's probably some others. There's probably a player or two in the East uh, that uh, might be in that conversation. But Kadeem Carey, it's not Bo. It's not Begleton. It's not uh, Jameer Thurman or, you know, some of their, Trey Roberson, or some of their great defensive players that they've they've had through the years and, and have right now. It's their tailback. I'm blown away with how good Kadeem Carey is. Winnipeg had their hands full with him tonight. Uh, 14 carries for 92 yards, uh, two touchdowns, um, and had two runs over 20 yards and three runs over 10 yards tonight, um, averaging 6.6 per carry. He is really good. I love watching him. 
Yeah, huge fan, just as a fan for sure. Really, really big fan of him. And very similar in, in uh, as a ball carrier to Oliveira in the sense that uh, first contact, you know, he's a guy that's bouncing off a of first contact. But for me too, it's, it's and I think this kind of lines up a little bit with what you were talking about earlier with Adam Bickey on his core stability. Um, it, it's his stability right. too, like his jump cuts, his ability to to stop and cut on a dime. And there's a couple situations where he did that tonight and just left somebody in the hole just kind of looking at their jock strap and uh, continuing for a few more yards. And like, that that's huge. And for running backs, that's something that they practice all the time is just that mm-hmm. stability, hip flexors, all that stuff. And we shout out Glenn Bruce earlier. Shout him out again. I know that's something that they work on a lot is just the little things in your game. It's more than just how fast you are. It's about being able to, to c- control your body. If you can control your entire body and be able to sort of understand like w- what's going to happen if somebody is in a weird position where you have to randomly spin to your right or, or you know, make a juke to your left where you know it's not a natural movement to make. That's something that uh, Kadeem Carey has really shown this year. And it adds you know, a, a really, really challenging element to that offense. Just like how tonight, Oliveira, I mean, you had to know what he was doing, play action, and then with Kolaros outside the pocket, such a threat, adds another, uh, you know, an element to that offense. And it's much the same with Kerry, where you kind of have to, even if you can force a defense to stop for even half a second and think about whether the play is a run or a pass, that split second is more than enough in a lot of cases to find an open guy, beat that coverage downfield, whatever's going on. So, I mean, the, the run game for sure, and just the fact that Kerry has been able to to carry literally carry that on for, for a number of weeks now. I believe he came in with three rushing, 100-yard uh, rushing games in a row. So uh, on, on a very uh, strong string of momentum here as of late for sure. And I absolutely agree with you. In terms of the MLP conversation, it's got to be Rourke, Kerry, and... Uh, and Kolaros for me, those are, are the top three candidates. Uh, you know, if anyone in the chat, I'm curious to see if they have any other, buddy, anybody else uh, yeah. that they might think might be a MLP candidate right now. But uh, I'm with you, DB. Those are kind of the guys that stand out, uh, stand out to me right now. Yep. Uh, I, uh, so, Mike, I'm, I'm just noticing. Well, not just noticing, but uh, you're in front of your uh, beautiful pool out on the West Coast, California lifestyle. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it is getting late. Uh, what is it? Uh, 20 after 10 here uh, in southern Manitoba. People are curious of who the players of the game are. Who is our uh, Walby Warrior and our Westwood Wide to the right? Uh, we also have to get into our bonfire burning point. Not a TSN turning point. Our bonfire burning point. Uh, if you want to chime in, hit the live chat or text. 204-816-TIPS, 816-8477. That is the Bonfire Hotline, 24-7-365. Hit it up, 816-8477. Okay, let's start with our Walby Warrior tonight. Who went to war for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Really, it could be for the Calgary Stampeders too. I won't won't, uh, leave them out, but uh, who stood out to you, Mike? Well, I mean, the easy answer to this question is Nick Dembski, just in the sense that he hasn't practiced in a while and came in here and just did what he does. But I'm going with the Blue Bombers offensive line, and I'm not specifically pinpointing one guy, just the Blue Bombers offensive line. And on top of that, I mean, Liam Dobson comes in for... Uh, for an, an extra lineman in those heavy packages. Mike Miller came in there as well and, and had some important blocks as well. So just the line, just the blocking in general from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, that's going to be my answer uh, and my pick for this one. Uh, you know, I think that at the end of the day, um, they don't get as much love as they sometimes need to, but it's also a veteran group that has been talked about a lot and being able to retain a veteran offensive line and have the depth, specifically Canadian depth, because of the amount of Canadian starters Winnipeg has on the offensive line, man, it's impressive. And they impress me every week and they're getting my nod this week. 
Yeah, Tyler Fabry throws the hogs up uh, on the live chat. Love to see that. Sorry, to digress. I'll take another one. Uh, Nick Dembski is my brother's wife's girlfriend's son. That's the most Winnipeg comment ever in the history of Bonfire Sports. I love to see that. I'm going to give my Walby Warrior to Nick Dembski. Uh, I know you uh, you went a different direction and, and a great one uh, as well. I'll give it to Nick. Uh, just unbelievable performance tonight to, to reiterate. Uh, 15, uh, or pardon me, uh, seven catches for 69 yards and two touchdowns after being uh, taken off the injured list early um and yeah i agree with uh andrea who is uh in the live chat honorable mention to brady Oliveira. he was uh, a real warrior tonight as well westwood wide to the right in honor of our good friend troy westwood back in our tsn days we used to pick a moment or a play or a person uh that did something that just rubbed you the wrong way you didn't like um was a grave mistake or a scary moment uh you got something there mike in in, in this I, game yeah i i not necessarily from this if i could i'd like to just talk about the saskatchewan rough riders for a second okay <laughs> i'm sorry nobody's gonna I'm get sorry. mad at you for nobody's gonna get mad at you for that <laughs> no considering the context of why we're talking about it i i wonder db and i don't know the answer to this i, I wonder if, if craig dickinson is slowly losing the locker room a little bit i mean we mm -hmm. saw what went on with marino uh a few and you you know you had some great points about that we talked about it last time i was on here um the situation with duke williams against toronto where there was helmets being thrown and some stuff going on in the pregame um it just to me that's the why to the right for me this week it's just the some of the things going on in saskatchewan with the team and I don't know if it's a culture thing. Again, like I'm not there. I'm not at the facility. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I just don't think that's something that is a great look for the organization. And I know it's something that's been talked about league wide. It's just sort of some of the, the unprofessional conduct because it's not a great look for the league when you, when no. you see stuff like that. So well, that's my people always say. People, people always say the Rough Riders are the, um, you know, like Canada's team and uh, the flagship franchise. I might argue that uh, in the CFL. Um, but you're right. It, it is kind of a, a bad look on them. So some good pick uh, for your wide to the right tonight. I don't know if anything really stood out to me. I was kind of with you, Mike, not from this game. It was just a great football game. So I will uh, give Comet the voice and the pick tonight. Uh, wide to the right, Bo Levi mocking the Blue Bomber bench. He was also mocking uh, a touchdown celebration, I think, uh, at some point, uh, yeah, there it is. Matt Neal, who is uh, joining us on YouTube, says, uh, Bo mocking Dempsey's, uh, Nick Dembski's TD celebration and staring down uh, the bench. Uh, that's a good wide to the right tonight. Um, we still have to do our Happy Honker Award as well as uh, our bonfire burning point, the moment where the fire started burning and it led to a Winnipeg Blue Bombers victory. Oof, I don't know. That's well, tough. for me, the, the for me the burning point is just Winnipeg getting sevens and Calgary getting threes in that first half. Mm -hmm. at, at the end of the day, when you look at a, a one score game, that's that's really what decided this football game was. The Bombers defense held Calgary to field goals, and Winnipeg converted in the red zone and scored touchdowns. So I think for me it would be the fact that you know they were able to do that successfully. Um, I, I, obviously, that's not one single play or anything like that. But if you talk about trends and the fact that neither of these teams turned the ball over. No sacks allowed. And this was just a great example of classic CFL football. Uh, anybody that's a fan of the league would, would have absolutely loved this football game. And so I think, yeah, just the fact that Winnipeg scored touchdowns and Calgary got field goals in that first half. 
Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I'm I'm uh, I'm looking here uh, at the the play chart of all the plays that we saw in the game tonight, and it's you know first quarter, Oliveira runs for nine, then three, then sixteen. Uh, then into the second quarter, he runs for eight and then 31, his longest of his CFL career. Um, you know, uh, a couple more runs uh, late in the second quarter uh, to gain a first down for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, runs of 10 and then three, just edging for those extra yards. And then into the fourth quarter, runs of four uh, and seven, uh, you know, catching the ball and, and running seven for Yakards where Cam Judge had to uh, catch him from behind. Another run of 10 and five into the fourth quarter. The Tia, or pardon me, the bonfire burning point was Winnipeg's offensive line that you gave your Walby Warrior to and Brady Oliveira getting the run game going and sticking with it. To me, that's the reason Winnipeg's offense was able to explode for the yardage they did tonight beyond the run game. And the reason why Zach Kolaris threw for four touchdowns. Somebody mentioned to me tonight that uh, Zach Kolaris has never thrown for four touchdowns as a member of the Blue Bombers before. I'll have to look that up. It sounds that's right, a, but I'm not totally sure. That's a fascinating sure. stat. It's a fascinating stat when you think about his production and you talk about his yardage, right? But, I mean, the touchdown number, I mean, that's fascinating for sure. So, yeah, let's get on that and just confirm that one. That's that's, that's really interesting. No kidding. Uh, meanwhile, speaking of numbers with Zach Kolaris, 25-1 and one in meaningful games as the Blue Bombers starter unbelievable uh the happy honker award is uh my favorite and uh i always do it in honor of uh zach schnitzer because he's the one that wanted to do the happy honker award the old uh, uh from many 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 years gone by on the radio broadcasts uh, they'd have the happy honker award with cactus jack wells and company um i i would i'm with the comment you know a friday night uh at the stamp or family night at the stamps game, 30,000 there smiling children. Everybody was having fun. That that's a great choice. Uh, I'm giving my happy honker award to Zach Schnitzer himself tonight for his courage. Uh, and frankly, impeccable writing ability, like to write a, uh, opinion piece and a personal piece like he did as well as he did, uh, the way he took a central theme in like the seven ways, you know, at the Blue Bombers are seven and zero, and the seven ways they help him uh, heal from mental health. Um, big time, happy honk to you, Schnitz. <laughs> yeah, I, I would absolutely echo that. And DB, we both come from journalistic backgrounds. That's what our education is in, and so we appreciate good writing for sure. And yeah, that no was kidding. really, really good writing. It's a must read if you haven't seen it already. Please go check that out, uh, Zach. Just great job on that piece. C can't say yep. it enough how spectacular uh, that was. Uh, great mention on the Happy Hawker with the family night. In general, um, family night is a great idea, and I know the teams really try to embody that to create the next generation of fan. This is something we can talk about in, probably at a different day, is just trying mm -hmm. how, to, how to attract uh, more fans to the game in the long term, and one of them is by having lifelong fans in the stands. My dad mm -hmm. took me to games when I was a kid. That's how I started watching the Bombers. It's one of the, my favorite things growing up, one of my favorite memories, and it's some, why I'm still... A huge bomber fan it's why i cover you know the league it's why i take pictures uh you know for you as well for bonfire it's it's, it's yeah, all you, of that you it's, do great work too yeah <laughs> thank you i appreciate that it's it's because of that 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 start that i got as like a 
six-year-old kid with my dad going to Bomber games at the old Canadian Stadium. So great job by the, uh, the Stampeders and a great job by the league overall with really emphasizing families and really providing deals for them uh, and, and stuff that makes sense to be able to get them to, to watch games and to be able to be at those stadiums for reasonable prices. So I just wanted to say that, but my happy honger is actually gonna be somebody that's been mentioned tons, tons and tons in the comments. So I wanna bring it up, Dakota Prukop. That's my happy mm. honger for this one. Cause nice. he was also, yeah, he was also injured. He came in here and he did absolutely spectacular on short yardage today did tremendous and a lot of people talk about strevy they brought up the comparison to strevy baby and you know it's it's hard not it's hard not to see it in terms of you know his athleticism and how he was able to really move the yardage there not just getting that little bit of a half yard but really getting four five six extra yards understanding where those holes are uh, in terms of those short yardage schemes so yeah to go to prukop for me because he came in and he did his job really really well well said i love that um, I, I've been singing Dakota Prukop's praises for a long time coming into the season. People are like, well, you know, Drew Brown beat him out in the preseason. And then, you know, when, when Kolaris got pulled from the game in week one, uh, and Drew Brown came in and, and, you know, did three or four plays to, to help the blue bombers beat Ottawa at home, uh, in, in that season opener, uh, everyone's like, you know, they don't need Dakota Prukop. They use Dakota Prukop. They need Dakota Prukop to do exactly what he did tonight. Keep Drew Brown healthy. I am firmly in the belief Drew Brown will be a starting quarterback in the CFL one day. Firmly of that belief. And I don't say that lightly because it's 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 been a long time here in Winnipeg where you have a number two and say, yeah, this guy's going to be the guy. I mean, Matt Nichols, he was waiting in the wings behind Drew Willie. I get that. But... Drew Brown is, is a true American rookie quarterback. He's got something that uh, Buck Pierce sees in him. Um, I can tell the way they talk about him. He, he's going to be, um, you know, he's going to be a player. Uh, he already is a player, uh, a really good one. But um, either way, keep him healthy. He does not need to run the short yardage. Dakota Prukop has legs. He is like, as you say, Strevy baby. Uh, he can really get things moving Last season, Mike, did you know this? Last season, the Edmonton Elks released their play of the year. And I'll remind you, they absolutely stunk in 2021, if I had to remind anybody. But their play of the year was Dakota Prukop slashing the Blue Bombers defense for a 40-yard run, weaving, weaving through things, shaking guys off. That was Edmonton's play of the year, which is funny in itself that their backup quarterback or one of their six guys that, that took steps last year running the football against the best team in the country um, was their play of the year. But uh, it, it, you know, Winnipeg needed that. Uh, they weren't going to get Chris Streveler signed another contract uh, in the NFL with the New York jets and is, is looking towards that uh, ever healthy uh, NFL pension. Uh, if he's able to get into some more games, but um they needed a guy like that. Dakota Prukop is that guy. And to see him get injured in week one, undisclosed as he went on the sixth game, was tough. But yeah, there he was tonight. He's averaging um, 4.2 yards per carry, which in your short yardage is perfect. You know, you rip off one of 11, that offsets the, the average a little bit. Um, but there was even that one play, that one he ran for 11, Mike. You notice Calgary did not even realize it was Prukop in the game, number 12, instead of eight. Zach Kolaris, it was really, really something uh, that you can do that, let alone the two quarterbacks you can do it at some point as well and new this year. But 
to put Prukop in, the defense not even noticing and going, okay, let's just run. Pick up a first down, no problem. And you've really seen the evolution of that that number two QB in terms of the role and the offense in the CFL. I mean, obviously you saw what Strevy did in, in the situations he came in, but those short yardage packages, I mean, are super critical in what you can do. Even look at uh, BC and Nathan Rourke and that long touchdown he had early on in the season on, on one of those plays off tackle there where he just blitzed down the sideline for a long touchdown run. So, I mean, having somebody in that spot uh, that can run that is, is incredibly critical. And it just comes back to another theme that we've been talking about this entire uh podcast or excuse me this entire session is just about <laughs> the depth and just the 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 scouting ability of uh, of the barbers and Kyle Walters and and McManus and everybody involved there on the back end and really being able to find the right guys that fit with what they're doing uh, in Winnipeg organizationally and Brown and Prukop both just great guys too I mean they're they're great human beings and and they fit in perfectly uh in their time each of their respective time here so um yeah yep. great shout out to the depth at the quarterback position too for for Winnipeg yeah people wondering about uh, Chris Strebler I do believe it's six games uh Justin Dunk a three down nation reporting uh six games he needs until uh he's able to hit that NFL pension uh I don't know am I telling maybe I'm maybe I'm telling stories out of school but I'll drop this little nugget uh if you are a long-term coach in the National Football League, okay? This is what I was told several years ago. Like, let's say you've coached 22 years in the league like Bob Wiley, the former Blue Bombers offensive line coach and, and coach in various stops uh, in the CFL and the NFL. Do you know what your pension is? If you've coached for two decades in the NFL, it's $900,000 a year. That is your pension for the rest of your life. Yeah. So <laughs> you can see why players want to get like, like Chris Streveler, he's not going to get $900,000 a year in pension yet. Uh, but when coaches, it gives you, it gives you a gauge of, of uh, just how uh, financially powerful the, the national football league is uh, either way, Mike, um, do you have a final thought as we uh, wrap things up here? Yeah, my final thought would would just be, I mean, just come come watch this team, whether it's at IGF or or you know following them uh, on TV or whatever. I mean, this is some, this is a special run they're going on. This is absolutely spectacular. Uh, Calgary, in a lot of people's eyes, and I would I would agree, is the second best team right now in the West in terms of competitiveness against the Bombers. Uh, we'll see what BC offers a little bit later on in the season, but this is a team that is going on one heck of a run and they're doing it with people that are stepping up in every position, whether it be a starter, whether it be somebody that's coming in for an injured player. The depth is unbelievable on this team right now. Just check it out. This is this is, this is is a historical run. There's no other way to put it. It's a historical run and it's, it's incredibly, incredibly exciting to be able to cover it uh, live in person. And um, yeah, that would be my final thought is, is just uh, the Bombers and their consistency more than anything else. Uh, just what's going on organizationally right now is incredibly special. Yeah, no, well well said. And I think uh, that's a great point uh, to leave it on. The Blue Bombers are 8-0. and It's a short week for them. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't even hold an open practice this week. So with their 35-28 win to move to 8-0 tonight, they have got a very short week, five days between now and Thursday night in Montreal against the Alouettes. They then have seven days before Montreal comes back to Winnipeg on August 11th, and then their first bye week of the season. I'm sure they're very much coaches, players, and everybody, support staff, looking forward to 
um, that bye week, the first of three uh, this season. Mike, this was a ton of fun, man. I sure hope we get to do this uh, again in the future. Uh, you're a great uh, local football voice here in the province and the city. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with you with the Winnipeg Rifles uh, more this season. Uh, if you haven't yet, follow Mike on Twitter. I'm just going to pull it up here at Mike Still 94. Um, these are the types of people that keep football uh, in the eyes and uh, uh, ears of fans, both amateur and professional uh, here in the city. So give Mike a follow at Mike Still 94. Thanks again, Mike. This was fun. Thank you, DB. Appreciate it. Anytime I get to chat football with you, it's awesome. Uh, thanks to everybody who engaged in the chat. Really appreciate yep. that too. Such a passionate community. So thanks to every one of you for uh, uh, all the support and for just uh, continuing to provide your commentary because it's it's incredibly important to what uh, what happens on Bonfire as well. So so thank you. Yeah, you bet. Hey, thanks everybody. Appreciate it. Live chat was lit tonight. Be sure to join us Tuesday at 7.30 for Bonfire Midweek with the man, the one and only Zach Schnitzer. I'm going to put a link to his outstanding article on how the Blue Bombers helped him heal from mental health in the video description below uh, just in a few minutes if you're watching live. Uh, and of course, Chris Welby will join me Wednesday at 3 o'clock as we always do live 3 p.m. the day before the game. Oh, and of course, the bots show up one more time uh, <laughs> before we uh, we sign off. But uh, and then, of course, post game, as always, game day after dark, after every Blue Bombers game. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next time.